Are paper invoices and payments dragging you back to the office? Automate with Avid Exchange and enjoy 100% digital accounts payable. With 24-7 access and secure e-payment options, you can easily review, approve, and pay your bills anytime, anywhere, from any device. So say goodbye to all that paperwork and hello to the ease and flexibility of automated accounts payable. Learn more at avidexchange.com. That's avidexchange.com. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes, I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay, we're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay, yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Welcome to another edition of Bring in the Closers. Ryan Ray alongside my trusty sidekick... Apprentice, I think, is how it was used the other day. Ben Samuels. Ouch. Ben, how's it going? I don't know, Obi-Wan. How are we doing today? Tell me, tell me what's new. What, what, are we, what are we getting in today? I don't know. I didn't do any prep for this podcast. It will show here in a minute, but it is lovely. I'm getting ready to get this show done, and then I'm on the road to Houston. First trip of the year. I am fired up, ready to close some deals. I hadn't closed a deal in like six years, so 2020 is the year. I feel it. I feel it. My bones. Deep in my bones. It's the Chinese year of the what? I think it's the rat this year. Can it be the year of the deal? Um, you know, rats have ways of getting things done. They're very efficient and effective, actually. If you you know, if you're, if you're being honest, you said, "Hey, what's the hardest thing to stop?" It'd be like a roach, a rat, um, maybe a spider. So I'm in good company with the year of the rat. I like that. Like a goose, cut its head off. It's done, right? Rat. No, it's hard to get a rat. So, uh, yeah, unless you're a mafia. If it's a mafia connection, I wouldn't go with rat. And ju- just to be clear about, let's let's talk about like biology for a second. So if you cut the head off of a duck, it's dead. But if you cut the head of a rat, it still is like alive and running around? Yeah, I was saying it's easier to grab the, the goose and cut the head off, the duck or whatever. The the rat, you just, you know, he's, he's, he's nimble, he's quick, he's... He's, uh, you know, listen, don't let the facts, man, come on. You know what, I was I was good. Now I'm done. So where do you want to go from here? Oh, nice to see. Is this a, like the east wing of your mansion or like did you have one of your, your servants put up that nice 57-inch flat screen 4K with HK option TV or what, what's going on? This is, this is the northeastern corner of a 200-square-foot room that I've filmed from the other corner of most of the time. But don't let, don't let the facts uh, I actually, so just so you know, um, I have a, uh, um, I think you probably do as well. I've got a Zoom conference uh, a subscription or whatever. And so they give me a personal meeting for that. My password to that is, well, I can't say it on air, but it involves don't with the facts. It's funny, little little inside baseball here for the, for the listeners. Ben has so many computers that when he was trying to log on, it didn't log on as Ben Samuels because this computer didn't have the credentials. And I get it. You know, you got like 16 laptops laying around. It's hard to it's hard to uh, to keep up with them all. So, anywho, Ben, um, let's get into it. Where are we starting at twenty twenty at? We, you know, uh, I, I feel like you have some. I feel like you didn't get to experience Festivus, so you're gonna want to take it out on me. But wherever you want to go. 
Whew, that's loaded. Um, no, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to to getting this uh, to year started. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of weeks into the year. I uh, have a couple of deals uh, you know that are uh, that came across my plate actually today that I've been looking at uh, in the mineral space, and, and uh, you know, so that's actually a, a pretty positive sign for me. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you know if if I start to see more and more mineral deals coming across the, uh, the plate at uh, reasonable numbers in good areas, that you know that's certainly a, a good sign for uh, for the rest of the market and can be a good indicator. I'm uh, going to be in Houston for the first two weeks of February. There's uh, NAPE, and then there's a Produce Water Society conference, a couple other things going on. And so if you're listening to the podcast and you're, if you're in Houston and, and you want to get together, whether or not you're based in Houston or you're just going to be in town over those uh, you know, couple weeks, give me a shout. We'd love to, uh, to circle up and see what we can get into. Are you going to bring them value or just buy coffee? Or what, what's going to be your contribution to them meeting with you? I promise if we meet in Houston, I won't bring Ryan. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I asked that one. I asked that one. Yeah, 2020, man, it's exciting. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I uh, it's one of those things. I'm curious how you deal with this because, as you know, right now, there's a couple of different things that I'm working on. It's like, okay, this is exciting. This is exciting. This is exciting. Um but how do you deal with personally, like when you're working on, you know, a couple of things and you can't do anything, there's just literally nothing you can do. So you, you can't call anyone. Everything is in someone else's hands and there's, they just have to decide to act, move forward. Um, do you find yourself going and starting on a new venture to kind of keep the, while you're waiting on something to happen? Or do you try to find unique ways to pressure someone to kind of get them off center uh, and this isn't a long period of time. It's just, you know, you know, just you talk to someone on Tuesday and they're not, they're going to be out of town for whatever, for a couple of weeks. So this normal course of business, it's not like someone's stuck on center. You're just, you're just kind of sitting waiting for normal, good reasons. Um, how do you, how do you handle that? Because uh, I get kind of anxious. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of a, a little bit of a dance and I, you know, I think that you and I approach this very, very differently. So I think it's a you know good topic. Um, in my opinion, you know, when when the ball's in my court, you know, I, I try to act quickly and, and, and I try to act efficiently. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there are times where things need to kind of gestate, and you know, I may need to take some time to you know think through some things or talk to some external partners that may not be part of the deal. But I need to do as kind of my due diligence process. Um, and the reason I, I started out that way and kind of opened up the answer that that, that way is because what I've noticed you know, in my years of doing this is that. Every single person outside of just, okay, so I've asked you to do something and how quickly are you going to do the task? Every single person that I talk to and every single company has a different expectation and a different, just a different standing operating procedure on how they work through deals and how they operate and how quickly they do things. And so I mean, as, as an example, I was working with a, a group um, who I've been connected with. This was a couple months back and I was working with, uh, with this group, had a, an initial conversation. And uh, the guy was pretty aggressive off for, you know, from first blush, uh, but we had a good conversation, um, set some expectations in terms of kind of what we were expecting to get done, but we didn't address timeline. Uh, and we had a conversation on a Thursday. And then on a Monday, uh, you know, it was clear that the client had expected me to have completed probably, yeah, I don't know, 20 or 30 hours of work between that Thursday call and, and, and Monday. And when I, you know, when I told him that it was probably going to take a, you know, another or a week, week and a half or so until I could get the team to, to get that work done, you know, the response was basically, you know, now this was supposed to be, have been done already. And so number one, some, you know, something that you and I have talked about a number of times 
I, I clearly didn't set the expectation correctly it, it, uh, across the board. Hit, hit some things that did, didn't do it all. Uh, in answer to your question specifically, you know, in, in that case, the reason that the urgency was there is that they actually had a client meeting, or sorry, they had a pitch meeting with a um, an investor uh, that that Wednesday that he had neglected to tell me about, but uh, but that, that they needed the information for for that meeting, and so there was some urgency. And um, and and again, the reason I'm saying all of this is because you know, there's no right answer. You know, and I know I've said that a number of times when you've asked me you know questions on here, but you know, realistically, if you're looking to you just need to figure out, you know, how many deals can you do at once? How many, you know, you and I, you know, between you know Ryan, you and I have a different bandwidth for how many deals you and I can do at one time. Um, you know, what's the appetite for, you know, for the for the sales cycle, right? You know, so let me say it this way: if you're working on a dozen plus deals, and every single one of those deals has a sales cycle of six months or more, that may be a problem. You probably need to have some shorter, your shorter term, maybe lower hanging fruit things in the pipeline. And so it's kind of going back to what I said at the very beginning, it's sort of a dance. You kind of have to figure out who who has the bandwidth to do what at what times and how can you kind of interact with within those. I know that was kind of an esoteric answer, but that's really the best I can do because you know, again, I'm talking about from a from a deal maker's perspective. If you're talking, if you're talking about, you know, um, salesperson to client we've talked about that dynamic quite quite a bit so that, that's you know quite a bit different right yeah i guess for me the um the hard part is um you look at some of this stuff like with china working on or whatnot you know it's just those sales cycles there is no sales cycle right it's just <laughs> there's no deal cycle it's just you send it to someone and you wait um and then they get back to you and then you wait um and then even if everyone wanted to close something tonight it just does it cannot happen because of you know, uh, international regulations and all kinds of stuff. So it's just, it's just different. And, and so I, I find myself on, on the long, those are long lead items, right? They're, they're, those might take, I might get some stuff done this year. It might be 2021. I don't know. Um, but it just kind of depends. It will, it would be, it'd be two, it'd be a qu- uh, second quarter before anything really has the potential, I would say, but go ahead. No, I was going to throw something back, um, you know, back at you and, and see how, you know, what you think. So, I mean, so given that, uh, you know, you and I have talked about a, a number of deals that have that kind of indeterminate sales cycle, and so there have been times in my career, and I'm, and I'm wondering if you have as well, where you know, I generally, if there's something like that that has you know, either no sales cycle or a very long sales cycle, I can generally volley a bunch of those at one time, right? Because my involvement in that is going to be relatively minimal, and and, and so you know, I, I can do a lot of those. The problem becomes, and I'm curious how you address. You know, let's fast forward thirty months down the road, and you know, you 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 volleyed forty two different things in the air, and now six of them have stuck, and you don't have the bandwidth to take on those six things. Now, what do you like? How how do you address? I guess in the flow of the short term, and, and I'm closing deals on a monthly basis or or quarterly basis, in you know, intermingled with the hey, I'm developing this long term relationship, what you know relationship sales cycle thing but once that comes to fruition you know that's going to take so, so how do you kind of marry those things together and balance that i'm curious yeah that's a good question so what, what i try to do is um I, I try to play to my strength which is a cliche answer but we tell you that means so if you look at some of the stuff we did in south africa last year um there was there was a point 
early, about this time last year, um, a little bit later in the year, where it was really research intensive, and we had to look up a lot of stuff. We had to you know do all stuff, and so I had Nate start looking it up for me because that was going to be more beneficial than for me to sit down and start doing that. He could look it up, bring it to me, kind of brief me, and I could ask questions and point him in the right direction or, or, or whatever, and he could go back and do that. Um, and then when we went down to South Africa, what was I was able to do at that point was is I'd had kind of had Nate brief me, you know, over various times, uh, and then we went to the meetings. I pretty much had a pretty much uh, a good idea of what was going to be from our standpoint, what we needed to cover, what we needed to uh, make sure we, we got we got out of them. If I didn't, Nate was there. Um, and if Nate could have been there, he could have prepared some more you know, reports for me or, or whatever. Um, the other thing is, and, and this is, comes from just negotiating and, and putting deals together, is you kind of know certain pinch points and things. And if you're listening, you can listen for signals and stuff and so you can play off that. So for me, it, it's you know, when there's something that becomes super intensive, if that's something that's I, th- I think that's really beneficial for me to dig into, then I will. But if not, I'll try to you know either use someone like Nate or someone else to come in and help with that, because that allows me to keep going on and doing the next thing. And and the with that with that deal particularly, as you know, and I don't know if you're talking on the show or not, it got really close in June and then kind of got punted back to, to 2020. So I could have invested um, months of my time doing research and, and stuff like that, and then ultimately that deal got punted to probably this year. Uh, and then this is the devalue Nate's time, but it was just more beneficial to use Nate to do that during those few months, and that allowed me to keep on going. So that's that's how I try to uh, to juggle that because, and then there were some points where ultimately I had to sit down and I had to stop and I had to talk to lawyers and you know deal all that stuff. But the more of that I could cut out um, on the research and you know finding this out, tracking this down, the better it was. For, it felt like from my perspective, it makes sense. So kind of tangentially related, not really. Um, I mean, when you're you're looking through deals, is there, well, actually, let let me, let me, let me circle back. Um, If that's the case, if, you know, if you're looking and we've talked about that, we've talked about the process of delegation and and figuring out, you know, kind of how, how to figure out what your box is and how to stay in that box and delegate the rest of the things out. The difference being, and, and, or I guess one of the differences in the way that you and I do things is that currently I, I, I have an executive assistant at this point. I, I recently hired somebody, but I don't have any any employees um, at all. I, I have a number. I have a number of con- contractors that do you know some task based work, but mostly they're on projects that are, you know that are not. So it's not as though I have a number of people that are at my beck and call for for hours a day of hey go do this. Um, one of the reasons that I have uh, that I have done my business that way. It, it's not you know. It's a purposeful, you know, decision. Obviously, one of the main reasons is because, and it's 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 really comes down to two things. Number one, I think it's a control thing. Um, you know, I, I like to have quality control over everything that comes in and out of my office, and the only way to do that, obviously, is to is to do the work myself or or to have that you know that intimate control. Uh, the other piece of that is that you know, from an income uh, from an income level, I'm 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 happy. I'm, I I do do plenty, uh, and, and so you know. When I look at my day to day, I love what I do on a day to day basis right now. I really enjoy what I do. I'm really fortunate that you know that I get to wake up every day and do something that I'm not only good at, but I, but I really do genuinely enjoy. And if I if I were to hire people on to a at least to a some degree, that changes, right? That dynamic changes into now I'm managing people as opposed to being able to do the day to day things that I was doing before. And so I, I kind of walk you walk you through a couple minutes of of kind of my thoughts. But so given that. How might you respond to somebody like me who certainly, I mean, you know, I, I will freely tell you that if I were to hire some people, I would absolutely 
make more money every year personally, my company would as well, and I'd be able to expand more quickly. But I'm just not sure that it's that's the path that I'm looking to right. take. But how 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 would you how, how have you addressed those things, or kind of how do you see that? Yeah. So I would say for me, um, if, if I had the capacity um, right now, just to uh, if I wanted to, I guess I, I suppose I could um, bring on, let's say five to ten. I don't even, I don't have to be five to ten. Let's say three to five um, research assistants. Okay, three to five research assistants that could do the various type of research that I, I'm looking for. It's financial modeling, da da da. Um, you know, various types of re- research, um, and then put that into reports and graphs. If if I had that capacity, my ability to go and find deal flow would grow exponentially. So, for instance, if um, let's say I wanted to invest in, in, in single-family real estate. Well, if I had a research assistant that could go and pull the, the real estate data uh, from across the country, you know, we, I'm not going to break it, break it all down, but pull, pull that pertinent data, bring it to me, let me ask four or five questions or whatever it is. They go back, and they go through that process six times, let's say. And then I said, okay, let's build out some, um, some models, and let's go and look at buying a potential property uh, that fits this demographic in um, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, or, or wherever it's at. Um, that whole process can be ran with the way that I want it to be run, looking for the results I'm looking for, and they're doing that while someone else is over here going, okay, um, let's look at, you know, what, I don't know, I think it's something else off the top of my head, but, you know, we're wanting to go buy something else. And so so you could, so having that type of, because those are very simple things that you can sit there and say, well, yeah, of course. Um, but there's other things that I'm interested in that aren't as simple that it takes a long time to kind of uh, sift through that information and um, and work through it. So having people that can do that kind of stuff for me then allows me to go do what I think I'm good at. But go ahead. So so that, that's that's great. Um, I'm curious though because I'm talking when I said what I said, I was talking about actually the other side of the sales cycle. So the the research and the due diligence, yeah, that, that can be done. Uh, you know, and I have people that, that do those things. I'm talking about more talking to stakeholders and talking to people through deals and, and talking to clients or customers or, or asset owners, you know, how to, how to kind of duplicate effort on the outreach side, not the, not the data aggregation side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's tough because, you know, not everyone's going to talk to the, the customer like you are. Um, so back way back when, I can kind of tell you my, my evolution through this, and you can kind of you know make fun of me. I'm sure you will. But there was a point in time many moons ago when I was the only one um, that did the I did the project management and the business development. So there was no salespeople and no project managers. It was me. And at that time, I had a policy that every email I had to be copied on, so I could see what was being said, who was it being said to, and all that. And it was really, and you, you might go micromanager and you'll, you'll hear the extreme where we're at today, but you'll, 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 you at the time, because I, I didn't know who was going to say something. And I, I was interfacing with the clients, but they might have to send something to a client because of, you know, various reasons. Um, but so I had to make sure that what was being sent to the client wasn't going against what I was, you know, on the phone telling them 15 minutes ago, right? Um, through that process, we brought in project managers, we brought in salespeople, and those people I interact with, uh, you know, on a more regular basis and so I can kind of influence the things. And there's a couple core principles that, that really when I'm dealing with, um, you know, whether it's a project manager or someone like Nate or someone that, that I'm trying to bestow upon them with a client, there's just a couple, couple, couple core principles that I want them to understand. If they understand those core principles and they can live within those, generally speaking, they're going to answer questions the way 
not they wouldn't say in the way I would, but in the spirit of what I would. And so if I can communicate that, usually I find I don't have to worry about a lot else because they understand um, what's going to happen. And if they don't do that, they will end up not wanting to work uh, with me because it doesn't right because that's it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work because that's kind of how I think about things. Now, obviously, the more people we bring in, the harder it is to do all that. But you know, now I don't. You know, the, the only emails I see is emails that um, if it's a client that I'm working directly on with. So, like if it's a client that uh, you know Josh and I go and meet with, and I say, hey, keep me up to speed on all this in case I talk to the client separately or, or whatever. I need to know what's being said. But outside of that, I don't. You know, you talk to whoever you want to whenever you want to. But um, kind of building that ethos with the with the project managers or the people you're dealing with is is important and I'll kind of give you the rules if you want them. I don't know if you want them or not. I'll kind of give you the rules. So really <clears throat> there's a couple of rules. One and and I say it and I had to clarify it cuz you you understand why. One is CYA and I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, you know cover yourself so like the like the shady way, but do things in a way that you're not going to get sued, right? Do things that are done the right way. You've documented things. Um, you, you've, d- you've done it in the, in the truest sense to make sure that um, you, you've done the best you can do to make sure that you've protected your, your company um, because we're not, we're, not, we're not doing fraudulent work. And so since we're not doing fraudulent work, let's do work that's really good. And if you do that, then you do things in a, in a very good way. The second thing is, is, is do, do the same thing for your client. So if your client's going to do something that might get them sued, you call them up, or they're going to do something that might lose them a bunch of money. You call them up. You say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Samuels, or you know, however you dress them, being whatever it is. Hey, listen, um, just so you know, I saw this. Just make sure you're aware of it. You know, and, and then the client might say, "Yes, I'm aware of it. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm gonna do it." Okay, well, that's the client's prerogative at that point. And that's the third thing. And one of the I used to make this analogy. If you think about building a pipeline, you know, you get from point A to point B, which is kind of a linear line, right? And I used to joke around that if they want, if the client wants to build a pipe in a circle. There's a big, nice, cold-up circle. Then we'll go out there and build a pipe in a circle. And the point is, is ultimately, once you advise the client on what you think is best, then you go execute on their wishes. Again, as long as you're not going to get sued, you're not breaking any laws, stuff like that. If you kind of live within those three rules, um, and you can modify it depending on what you're doing, um, you, you'll be okay. And the only caveat to that or addition to that is, I always tell my guys, is if a client calls and wants to talk to you about the price of McDonald's, we don't, we don't trade stock prices, but talk to them about the stock price of McDonald's. Because if they're calling you, they're talking to you, they're interested in what you guys say about something. You're building rapport, and you're getting to a spot to where they like you and trust you. They don't have to like Ryan Ray and trust Ryan Ray necessarily, but they do have to like you know, and, you know, Bob or Sally or whoever it is. And if they're calling, talk about the sports game. You should be honored. That's that's they're they're talking to you instead of someone else. And so, uh, those kind of the four high level thoughts I would I try to articulate to the people I deal with uh, inside my company. If they can live within those, you know, how Nate's going to talk to someone who's going to be a little bit more formal probably than I would, but how um, another project manager is going to be different than Nate. But as long as they kind of live within that framework, everything's going to be okay. Makes sense. You, you cut out there. Go ahead. Say, 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 say what you said again. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think at the end of the day, I mean, the the mentality of, you know, I mean, we, we're, what we're talking about is kind of the same things, right? It's it's communication style and, and, and making sure that you're, that the face of the company is always what you're trying to to emulate, right? That that, that, that doesn't, uh, but that also that it's not just a facade. That what you know that what's happening behind the scenes actually backs up that motto and that you know that whatever that tagline or you know, whatever you have, you know, the mission statement, all that. So, um, with all that being said, let me let me let me ask you this: You beg me routinely to go into business with you. You're, Ryan, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Please, please, please. And I'm like, you know, I don't know how I could go into business with you without understanding 
you know, how two massive egos could work together in one company. So, and you do these things all the time. Like you have 7,000 businesses that you're co-CEO or, or whatever with. How do you do that? Because that seems to be a bigger risk when you do that than versus having some employee who you could fire for putting something inappropriate on LinkedIn. So, because um, if you're co-CEO or co-owner or manager or whatever it is, the, the, the risk seems to be actually more substantial than it would be in an employee-employee relationship. Yeah, that's a very fair point, and it absolutely is. Um, you know, and, and it's a it's a delicate balancing act. I mean, it's it's not every partnership works. There are people that I think the world of that are fantastic business people, but for whatever reason, I, you know, partnerships between the two of us just aren't going to work or haven't worked or you know what have you. Um, Ryan is pointing at himself off air. I'm trying not to acknowledge, um, <laughs> um, but you know, but at the end of the day, it's so when they come together, the way they come together is if there's a true number, there's a number number of things. Number one, there has to be a common goal of where we're trying to go. And I don't mean necessarily a tangible, you know, we want to sell, you know, the company in five years or we're trying to you know get here in 10 years. But, but in terms of, you know, what are we doing? How are we going to do it? Who are we going to be doing it with? Those questions kind of need to be answered on the front end or at least need to have a meeting of the minds and have an understanding. Um, in addition to that, there needs to be a very, very, very clear division of labor and division of authority. And what I mean by that, and those are two very different things. And so division of labor is just who's going to be doing what. You know, And so if you have two people in a partnership that they have either extremely overlapping or very similar or just pretty similar strengths and and they have similar weaknesses that may not be a good partnership even if the business makes sense or even if the other pieces are in place because you know you need to have enough coverage in all the different areas and then you know that might just be me mean bringing in a third party but again that's adding another layer right and so you know when you're talking about these partnerships uh, and putting them together for sustainable projects and so i'm not talking about just you know Ryan, uh, you know, Nate and I put, you know, putting a mineral deal together and flipping it within 30 days. I'm talking about putting something together more substantial that, that's going to you know, take roots. You know, when, when you're doing something like that, it's really important to have a very clear expectation and understanding. One of these are things we've talked about uh, consistently on the podcast already. Um, in addition to that, though, make sure that it's something that that in addition, you know, even more so than other times you know, when you're doing a deal by yourself or you know, uh, separately, I should say, or solely, make sure that what, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. And if you say you can do something, you know, long-term, you do that as well. And you hold up, hold up your end of the bargain because one of the fatal flaws in partnerships among many, but one of them can simply be, you get into a partnership, you get into the deal or you get into the business. And then one, one side is doing a lot more or you're holding their end of the bargain up and the other side isn't. And so one side, number one, has to pull extra weight, but also number two, there starts to be a lot, a lot of resentment in that. And that's, that's how those things uh, you know, can tear, you know, be torn apart. And unfortunately, and I know this is a long, little bit of a long answer, but unfortunately some of these breakups you know, they don't just happen in the fledgling little little tiny companies that aren't doing much. I mean, you have major, massive companies just get to a point where, or you know, in the startup phase where it just didn't work, and and, and you know, and it gets torn apart, and it's it's clear because it wasn't set up correctly on the front end, as opposed to anything kind of in the interim. 
I think you're right. One of the things that I've always found interesting about that, um, people say, well, find people with complementary skills and stuff, is that's actually, I think, the hardest part is finding the complementary skills. Not not that there's not people with complementary skills, but usually, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, really quiet engineers who are very serious and, um, you know, kind of the, the, use a stereotypical engineer. I, I don't find myself hanging out with a lot of them, not because I dislike them or anything. It's just you know, probably I'm probably a little loud, obnoxious for what they're looking for, and they're probably a little quiet for what I'm looking for. And so it's kind of hard to almost go through that process and to, um, and to find maybe those strategic partners because you're just not naturally around those people because just personal preference, no, no good or bad. So how do, you, how do you overcome that? Or maybe it's just me, no one likes me, and that's just a me problem, which is possible too. Probable. Did you say probable or possible? I said most likely. Okay, there you go. Um, no, I think that that's valid. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's something that you have to do with intention, right? You know, these things don't just come, you know, come together. You don't just fall, you know, you don't just fall into, you may fall into a really good deal that makes you a pile of money. People fall, you know, excuse the expression, but ask backwards into piles of money all the time in the uh, you know, A&D and M&A space, right? But they don't, they generally don't fall into very mutually beneficial symbiotic uh, you know, profitable relationships for long-term businesses. That just doesn't happen. And so I think you have to seek it out. If you're looking for an engineer, you know, maybe hit up the, you know, the closest society, you know, what is it? STE, the society, well, actually, I guess that's petroleum engineers, but, you know, find a society and start going to their luncheons or, or, or start, you start to actively get out there and find who you are trying to attract. I mean, it, it's a definitional secret, right? If you're trying to attract a geologist for, for a project for, you know, or for a partnership, you need to go find a geologist. They're not just gonna, you know, you're not just gonna wake up one day and they're gonna be knocking on your door. It's like, hey, I need, you know, can I help you? But the real question I'm trying to figure out is, well, how do I get people to like me? <laughs> we don't have time. We're, <laughs> we're running out of time. You could start a podcast for it. <laughs> Ryan, be Ryan's friend. How to win friends and influence people with Ryan Ray? Oh boy, we'd have zero listeners in that one. Zero. So instead of bring instead of bringing the closures, it would just be bring on the couch. Yes, yes, I like that. Look at you, look at you being Mister Witty today. And and you know what? It's it's even the same initials other than the O and the I. Don't they don't, don't let the facts. Sure. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah, let the don't facts. facts. It's got some B's and C's in there, so yeah, close enough. So yeah, I guess one of the things that when I think about that, what you're talking about is is you know there's. Some deals are hard enough to close um, when you because of your your controlling position in the deal. You know you're trying to put together A and B, and you know you're you're, you're trying to massage this. And I'm working on a deal offline that you <laughs> that you know about. And there's a certain document that has a um, it makes it harder just to get the deal going because of some of the language in the document. And so um, I'm dealing with that on the on the, on the front end. And so. Um, you know, you look at that and you go, "Oh man, this is this is this is tough." And and listen, it's it's uh, something that one of the things. Go ahead. No, as you say, one of the things that, that I find myself, and I think it's it's definitely more recently, and I'm trying to decide internally. I'm trying to decide if it's a you know a Q4 2019 reaction or just kind of in general. Um, but I've noticed there have been. There have been a number of times in the last few months where I've been looking at a deal, and I think it's actually a couple of times you and I have been looking at this, you know, the, uh, the deal together, um, where it just be- it becomes obvious 
at some point that the other side, you know, while they may have said that they're interested in doing a deal or interested in, you know, being open minded and open, or I should say open book in terms of information and exchange of information and those kind of things that they're not actually interested in doing that. And so that's like, that has turned into one of the biggest red flags for me. When some, when I'm talking to a group, I mean, let me rephrase that and volley it back to you. When I'm talking to a group that is, you know, looking for funding or they're looking to deploy some new technology or they're looking for more customers or they're looking for more outreach or something like that. They're looking for outbound outreach and, you know, and, or if they're looking to be introduced to a capital partner or something like that. And I guess that's even a better example. You know, if I'm asking questions that should be pretty generic or, or at least, you know, if we have an NDA signed, you should have no problem answering that question. If I get kind of cagey responses and like, oh, well, I'm not really sure that we need to talk about that or, or oh, let's, you know, something, you know, let's, you know, something like that, that to me a lot of time, or I should say recently has become a red flag even more so than it has been in the past. Because if the group isn't willing to come to the table and have an open, honest conversation with me, you know, how am I supposed to then turn around into my network and put them in front of a capital partner with any with any confidence that they're not going to do the same thing? And if they do that, number one, they wasted uh, you know the other, the other partner's time. But number two, it, it, you know, ex- explicitly makes me look bad, right? And so I'm curious. I know I fumbled through that a little bit. No, maybe if you can you know, kind of decipher what I'm talking about. No, I think so because I have a situation on something I'm working on and. Um, there's an opportunity and it's a nice upside for this person. I actually haven't asked for anything in return on this particular one, just because it's closing this. There's probably not a lot of financial upside, um, for, to be gained immediately. And I wanted to, I wanted it to, it would introduce me to a lot of people. So it's kind of the circle thing. It kind of will expand the circle. Um, and so for, for that alone, I'd be interested in doing it. And I have connections that can make it happen without me probably to put a lot of work into it. And, and so on that, it's been there's, there's, there, um, I'm waiting for them to send me the NDA to kind of go through. There's certain questions that I need them to answer. They won't answer until they send me the NDA. And um, and so it's kind of like, okay, hey, I need the NDA. I know they're busy. I know they're, they're, they're kind of uh, swamped because it's a smaller shop. But it's like, okay, I just, I just need you to send this to me and we can sign it. And then... I'm not saying we get it done, but the ability to get it done will go a lot quicker and faster. And so I look at their, I look at their, um, I don't want to say unwillingness, but their their, their forgetfulness um, to, to send it. Um, and I say, okay, well, how many more times am I going to hit them up before I just move on? So how many more times do I hit, do I hit them up before I move on? And, and in my mind, let's just say I said I may hit them up once a month for the next three months. This is I hadn't determined that, but so through the end of March, what I would do in that case is through the end of March, I'd let it go. And then there's certain, I don't want to get too much of the specifics here because I get away, but there's certain things that would happen that would naturally allow me to circle back around to that in this particular case, six months, eight months from now. And when that happens, I might drop it for three to three, three, uh, for, for, you know, three, four, five, six months. And when that, when that happened, I might circle back around that point and say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Or, you know, you hadn't heard from me a long time, kind of a final call. Um, and then if they don't respond then, then I would probably put it away. Uh, and if they reapproach me a year or two from now, I'd say, okay, we're not talking until we actually papered up. Now I'm going to charge you, you know, things like that. And that's not to be difficult. It's just at some point to what you're saying, um, I, I try to be charitable because I know they're, I know in, in this case they are a small shop. They are busy. Um, but at some point I do have to move on. So um, it's not exactly I one-to-one, but, it, but, but, but you did make those decisions. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, kind of more – to zero it in a little bit more, you know, if I'm on a call with a group and we have explicitly said 
that we're going to be trading an NDA back and forth. Let's for, let's pretend that we haven't actually signed the NDA yet, right? But on the phone call, it's the very first call, and we and we talking about the NDA. It's like, yeah, I'll send you one over after the call. Uh, go ahead and get a sign. That'd be great. If the rest of that call, or so number one, if if the other side were to say like, okay, well, let's let's hang up now and, and reboot this after we've got, gotten the NDA signed, that might not be a red flag. That's just kind of a little awkward. Maybe not the best, you know, respect respectfulness of time. But if if the rest of that conversation, you know, if they're like, okay, great, that sounds good, and then you get into the you know into the weeds, quote unquote, and and you get a lot of responses back, well, well, let's wait until we get the NDA signed to do that, or well, you know, I don't really want to talk about that because you know the, we we don't. We don't really know, you know, uh, how the NDA is going to look or whatever. You know, that to me says that even after the NDA is signed, that still kind of needs to be on my radar because the NDA. I mean, at the end of the day, you and I both know that NDAs, you know, they help, but they're they're worthless on paper. I mean, it's not like someone's going to fight it in court, and you know, that's really hard to fight. And so, you know, just conceptually, if I'm talking to a group that you know won't talk to me unless an NDA is signed, it it, it it alarms me to the point where it's like, okay, well, what else am I missing here? Why, why are you being so protective of, of the information? Uh, and other, other than if we're talking about something that has like pure like IP and like actual tech, and that, I'm not talking about like new tech that there's things that actually need to be protected. And uh, I, and I, the reason I say it, the reason I said that way is because I know you, I know you don't see it the same. And so I'm curious how, you know, what your response would be. Right. So uh, I, I think I try to take it case by case. It kind of goes back to those principles earlier. So if I got a client that's really, you know, Mr. Classified and doesn't want to reveal anything and, you know, yada, yada. I mean, there's something on the other day that I, that I sent you and you're like, well, where, where, where's that? I'm like, I can't tell you. It's got an NDA, you know? And so, because that's, they're really super secretive and stuff. So I try to mirror what we're there at. Um, I'm not a, I do think there's, there is a time and a place for the NDA or the intellectual property agreement, things like that. Like I said earlier, I like having the information. So I like trading information because I can actually get a lot of value out of that. So actually, no, so without talking about that specifically, that's actually a really good example. So so I wish we could actually just kind of scrap the nonsense that I just said because what, what I'm about to say is much better. I don't know if it's going to be good, but it's definitely going to be much better. Um, what a lot of times I will be sent, and you're not the only one, I, and consistently I get sent an NDA either from you know a partner like yourself or from the actual actual company prior to getting any information about what I'm signing the NDA to uncover, right? And so I can't sign an NDA like in in my day to day business I cannot afford to sign an NDA unless I know exactly what I'm going to be conflicted out of and exactly what the NDA is going to be covering in terms of backing information. If you tell me what the information I'm going to be receiving is, and then I get the NDA. And, and you know, and it's just hey, what we're talking about cannot be shared. Okay, but if but if I need to sign the NDA to even be told, hey, this is what we're protecting. Like, that that makes me kind of like, wh- why? What are we? What are we doing here? Yeah. So yeah. So that, I guess for me, it's a it's a spectrum of, of of things. I think sometimes people deploy those because they are being too productive. Sometimes they use that as a as a front because they don't want to actually deal with you, and so they just they say, "Well, we got to sign the paperwork, got to sign the paperwork." Um, and so I think there's a there's a wide range of, of why they do it, and that's why, I'm, for me, it's a little bit more case by case than than, than you. Now, probably you're getting a lot more um, um, random folks calling up, and probably you're wanting to ping you a, a little bit more often than I am on, on these type of deals. But so I, I, I can understand why you're why you're a little bit more cynical. But I, like like when we're dealing with some of our more corporate clients, I mean that's you know. 
there ain't no ain't no way around it. You know, they ain't gonna tell you nothing. And, but if you're dealing with, uh, you know, a smaller group, the smaller group, depending on where their background is, what their experiences are, if they came from a big corporate environment, they may want to button up. Smaller group might be a little bit more looser. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that was great. I, I guess, and this is the difficulty of, of doing this podcast kind of in this format because number, two things. Number one, it's impossible to generalize about anything, right? And so even even when I'm talking about general con, con concepts, I mean, I'm still talking about a very narrow segment of, of you know, what I'm dealing with, right? And, and so that, you know, but also in, in addition to that, um, you know, it's, it's fundamentally different when you're talking to a publicly traded company or a large company that ha has either proprietary processes or proprietary drilling schedules or, or what have you, right? And, and, and you're talking about wanting to get you know, glean information from those things because that's not what I'm talking no, about. No, I know. I know but, you're not. But, but, no, just, for, for, for the listeners, just to clarify, what I, the, the pieces of information that I'm talking about are what are the things that are, you know, in the Venn diagram, I'm not talking about the private information. I'm talking about the things that are in the middle of what are going to be pertinent to, the, to this deal that I don't know that I need to know to go talk to the people on the other end to put the deal together. And if I have, if I get roadblocks from the, from the firm that has that information, to be able to get that, like that's that's the, the sticking point, right? And I think to your point, why it's difficult is because it's difficult because when you start working through the issue, you have to nuance it. But but the reality is, um, I was talking uh, somewhere uh, earlier today, and someone committed kind of the uh, basically it wasn't the either or fallacy, but more or less the either or fallacy, which says, you know, either Ben's you know really smart or He's brain dead, you know, either or fallacy, something, something along those lines. Um, and when they committed the fallacy, I kind of gave a little pushback, like, well, no, 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 it could be some other things that are obviously in play here. And so um, as we think through these issues as people who are in business, we have to be careful because what you're saying, uh, generally speaking, is, is, is has a lot of merit. And then when you tease it out, it helps people think through it and go, oh, yeah, okay, well, in this case, that doesn't actually apply. In this case, that doesn't actually apply. Here's a general concept to um, – to, to think about it so it's i think it's if you turn on fox news or msnbc in the three to five minute segments you kind of get the either or fallacy the wide sweeping statements and there's never picking it down and and and, and kind of sub segmenting it to understanding what that actually means um so it, it does make it tougher but i actually think it brings more value because then you can you go oh, okay okay this is kind of a general concept if someone's throwing an nda uh you know how should i think about that here's kind of some general things and then and then as you work your way through it it's it's a, it's a lot more uh, mapped out terrain than you might get if you're, you know, three minute soundbite. Oh, I I love talking long winded about these things, but I just know that like the listeners can't see this, but when I'm talking and I get over about like 90 seconds, I get <laughs> Nate looking off into the corner. I get Ryan looking at me like, dude, can you stop talking please? And so I like, I start to like, okay, well I, I should stop talking. Um, 90, well, hey, man, 90 you seconds. Are, you mean nine seconds? I was being really generous. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I was trying. Don't let the facts. But I mean, if you would like, like maybe next next week, if you just want to ask a question at the beginning, and I'll just talk for an hour. I, I'm sure I could do that. Oh, we know you could do that. There's no, there's no doubt in our mind. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do these things to keep you from talking our ears off. <laughs> wow, wow. You this, started this bed. Wow, Nate's coming in hot. Shot, shot <laughs> Just fired. fired. Wow, wow. <laughs> Nate's a little. You, you figured it would be in a good mood because uh, we're all going in the lake. Uh, speaking of which, you are participating in the Polar Plunge. I think that was part of the deal is that if me and Josh went in, you were going in as well. So uh, January 31st, 2.30 Central Time, you will be going into the lake, right? 
if you, if you mean by part if by participating you mean be in attendance so I can verify that it happened yes I will be we don't need you to verify we, we have cameras do need somebody to hold the camera though oh man. he can't he can't turn he can't press record that's why we have to do it oh Matter of fact, I had to press record, so I'll stay out of the water. That's that's a good point. Absolutely if, if, hey, not. You know what? You know what, Ryan? How about, how about this? I'll, I'll throw I'll throw you one. If between you, Josh, and Nate, if you can come up with some like viably tangible reason, something valuable, like to get me in the lake, I'll do it. Um. You gotta, but I have, but I have to agree. We have to, we have to like come up with a consensus. But if we can come up with something to, like that, that I can. I don't know what. I'll leave you guys to figure it out. But I, I'm happy to. I'm happy to jump in the lake ben, and make it work. I mean, we've don't got five. Knew. We've got five five star ratings right yeah. now. Um, how about if we get to 25 in the next week? What time between now and next Monday? We'll never get 25 star ratings in seven days. It won't I happen. Know, was, ben, was, you're you're trying to get into the water space, right? You're trying to yeah, get, there you get go. into water, right? And that that beard could yeah. hold at least six pounds of water, which would be enough to sort of take care of a well so there you go it's an asset investment for you ryan you made the right decision not not by not putting uh, nate on sales that was good <laughs> so this records on monday so let's just say 25 star reviews so we got to get them in quick this comes out on tuesday so we got pound them things just <laughs> hit five star real quick ben will be in the lake you've got his word on it ben anything else before we get out of here today no nate i'm sorry i talked your ear off today hopefully i can do better next week you won't don't lie Sorry. Starting too to soon. bleed. Too soon. Too soon. It's starting to I bleed. Said, I said hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, Shit. don't the facts. Okay. Um, well, that is it. Uh, I like how you omitted the fact I got published in a major China publication. It's okay. Slight tear. It's all right. Yeah. This highlight of my year. Whatever. Cool. Um, no, no attaboys. Nothing well, from you. I mean, I mean, highlight of the year on January 3rd doesn't really say much, but you know, I mean, you know. If we want to talk about it for a second, no, I, I don't. I, I, I don't want to talk about it at all. No. I don't talk about it at all. No, okay. So, See, I didn't think so. Yeah, so I probably didn't bring it up. Yeah, I know. I just want to. I want to make fun of you for not talking about it, but I really don't want to talk about it. So, I, I, I expect the next one to be in Chinese. Uh, there or, is a or Chi- in Mandarin. Well, there is a Chinese copy out there. So, anyways, uh, Ben, it was good to get back. We'll be back next week, unfortunately, and the week after that, and the week after that. So, listeners, next week's gonna be next week's gonna be a good one. We got Ryan Hunt from. Um, Recall out coming on. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be lovely. Okay, Ben, well, it was good talking to you. And listeners, we'll talk to you next week. When it comes to delivering customer support, there are some things you don't want teams to hear. Intercom's streamlined support platform clears up space for more organized workflows and peace of mind. Our business messenger uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Who doesn't like the sound of that? Intercom. Less of this. And more of this. To learn more, go to intercom.com support. Are paper invoices and payments dragging you back to the office? Automate with Avid Exchange and enjoy 100% digital accounts payable. With 24-7 access and secure e-payment options, you can easily review, approve, and pay your bills anytime, anywhere, from any device. So say goodbye to all that paperwork and hello to the ease and flexibility of automated accounts payable. Learn more at avidexchange.com. That's avidexchange.com.